Hello and welcome to the Light and Life podcast. We're a church based in Lancashire, England and a part of the Free Methodist family. Right here you'll find our weekly messages as well as a few extra conversations, reflections and studies. We'll take you straight to the message in a moment, but it would really help us if you would like, share and add a review for our podcast. Don't forget to follow us so that you don't miss anything and you can always find our most recent episodes. Thank you, and for now, we hope you enjoyed the message this week. Good scripture. And I want to start this morning's message with another good scripture from Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and let me read this over us this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, I want to encourage us this morning, church, that look around, there's a small crowd here, but there's over 2 billion people will have been joining in worship this morning across the globe. Sometimes when we're in the UK, we think, oh, the church is dying. Nothing could be further from the church. The church in Africa is exploding. People are coming to faith in Jesus in the hundreds of thousands every single week. The church in India is huge. The church in China, where it's illegal to be a Christian, we don't even know how many are there, but it's in the millions and millions of people. And today, if we close our eyes and ask God to open them to the things unseen, like Pastor Chris was speaking about last week, we will realize we're not in this alone. And that's not even to mention the great cloud of witnesses that are in heaven, the saints that have gone before us that are already in God's presence. We get to join an incredible group of people. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Because I believe that's what holds us back from this pure worship, this great idea that we can come into relationship with God to the next level is the things that we're still letting grab us and pull us back. The sin that's pulling us down, that's telling us that we're no good, the guilt and shame that comes with that. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The Bible's clear. The gospel message is not to be stagnant. We're to be moving forward. The amount of times it talks about this, that the Bible um, speaks directly to us, that we are called to be bringing the gospel, to be bringing light and life to a dark and dying world. It talks about us being an army, that we're in a fight, that we're in a battle The gospel has to advance through all generations and we get to be part of this. So we have to run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Now we each individually have a separate race to run. God has graced you uniquely. 
You have a different skills, different talents, different resources, different graces than anyone else in this room. And we need you to be running your race. Otherwise, we corporately as a church can't be running our race, the race that Jesus passed on to us. Pastor Stephen, when he was talking about building the kingdom, spoke about how we're each to be you know, bricks in this idea of building. And we are missing a brick when you're not here when you're not doing your part, when you're not throwing off that sin that easily entangles, when you're not joining with this great cloud of witnesses, guys, you are so important. And I'm excited today to be sharing some vision for us as a church, but more importantly, I want you to get some vision and direction clearly for your life, because I wholeheartedly believe that when you become all that God has called you to be, we can become all God has called us to be. And it's no good me just standing at the front saying, let's do this as a church, because the church is the people. It's what's God calling you to be. So we run this race. We've got perseverance, because what we're doing? We're fixing our eyes on Jesus. We're looking up to the throne room of God. Can you picture it? It says he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. He's the one that created you on purpose and he's the one that wants to release you into that purpose. The one that knitted you together in your mother's womb and the one that can't wait to greet you on the day that you pass from this world. He's the beginning and the end, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He really did die for you. He died for us as a church, but he died for you as an individual so that we can be free from the sin that so easily entangles, so that we can run the race that's set before us, scorning its shame. And now he is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And if you could just picture that for one second, imagine being with all these billions of Christians and all of those saints that have gone before us, being in the heavenly realms, the throne room of God. And there's Jesus sat at his right hand. And he sees you and he's smiling because he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You did run the race that I asked you to. So we need to consider him, consider Jesus, that what he endured and the opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Because it's tough. It's so difficult running the race. That's why we have to keep coming to church every Sunday. That's why we read our Bibles and we pray every week. That's why we try and have fellowship with other believers because this race is tough and we need those people that are championing us along the way and we need to remember everything that Jesus endured for us because that's what will fuel us to keep going. So today, as I'm going to be speaking on vision, I want us to be looking at two things. One is, yes, what's the vision for Light and Life Church? But two, and for me, way more importantly this morning, is what is God calling you to do? What's the direction for your life? What's that purpose that he's calling out for you? And I'm going to leave space at the end of this morning's message specifically for that, for you to do some business with God. Just like it says in Hebrews 12, number one, we want to um, get rid of the sin that hinders us. And so easily entangles. We want to ask for forgiveness. And then number two, we want Jesus to be that author and perfecter of our faith and was to remind ourselves, we want to fix our eyes on you this morning, Lord. What direction, what race is it you want me to run this year? Because I believe once we're each in our lanes and we're running with perseverance and we're looking around and seeing this great cloud of witnesses as a church, we'll be able to do 
so much more. So let us pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your holy word, the Bible, these scriptures, because they show us who you are, which in turn allows us to understand who we are called to be. They teach us how to live well. They show us um, how we can open our eyes to the things unseen. And that's our heart's prayer this morning, that we would be able to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who died on the cross for us, that we'll be able to look upon that cross this morning and ask for forgiveness from this sin that so easily entangles, but now sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And we want to fix our eyes up there this morning. So I pray now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will be moving in each of us individually to be giving us direction, to be giving us clarity, to be giving us vision for who you are calling us to be and how we can play our part in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I always get really excited for Vision Sunday. There's a few things in the church calendar that I think all of us get excited for. I always love Christmas for obvious reasons. And then Easter, there's no better day. The day that Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. I love Revive Camp, a time where we spend time together over the summer in God's creation having fun. And then I love Vision Sunday, a time where we can hear from God. And I genuinely believe that he has got something to say to you this morning. I wouldn't be bringing you this message if I didn't believe it was going to impact you personally. And our job today is to be listening to that still small voice or opening our eyes to the things unseen. Why is vision so important? Well, the Bible's got quite a few references to this, but one that I love to take hold of on a Vision Sunday is it says that without vision, the people will perish. And this was God speaking to one of the early church leaders who had lots of people that were following and they needed to know where they were going. And it literally says they will die. And we know that to be true. How many times do we know when people said, oh, well, he had nothing to live for anymore. Or, oh, they didn't know the direction that their life was going in. Or, oh, what a waste of a talent. Why? Because they didn't have this vision. They weren't clear on their God-given purpose in life. They didn't realise just how much they were loved. And they were loved on purpose and for a purpose. And I believe it's the same with organisations and especially churches. When they forget who they are and what they're about, you see the numbers slowly decline. But those churches that are excited, that are challenged, not just comforted every week, come here and be a consumer, but challenged that God has got more in you and more for you, but you have to step up, you have to run with perseverance this race, those churches seem to be flourishing. And that comes from vision, vision individually and vision corporately for the church. Without vision, the people will perish. And I want to make sure that we're a church that's on a mission because we've had this clear vision from God. And there's another Bible verse that says, make the vision clear. And I believe that that is so important as well, because sometimes we can get a bit muddled. So my job this morning is hopefully to make it clear what the vision for our church is and allow space for God to make it clear what the vision and direction for your life is. But I always like to say, and if you've been in any small group meetings with me or whenever I talk about a new initiative I want to do at church or even simple practical things like the things we buy, I always say this phrase, I believe that vision is what we see when our eyes are closed. 
Vision is what we see when our eyes are closed. And I know that this will ring true for you as well. Um, Especially if you're in a relationship, you can remember the first time you saw that girl. And you don't just see the girl and think, oh yeah, she's great. Straight away, you're thinking about the things that you can be and do with her, the family that you can create, the home, the future, the dreams. That's vision. When my eyes are closed, how sweet it would be to be with this love of my life. Or for any of you that start a business, I know we've got a few people that are graced that way in church this morning. Most people see a dusty old shop and you see the potential that can have it, but it's having that vision when my eyes are closed. Or maybe you've done some home renovations, uh, maybe a kitchen remodel or something like that, or even just tidying up one of your kids' bedrooms and painting it. You have this vision, don't you? Uh, You go on Pinterest and you click on the mood board and the colours that you like and the the things that you've seen in Ikea and where it will put it. That's what you see when your eyes are closed, right? So we do this in the world all the time for ourselves, but how often do we say, God, my eyes are closed. Show me what my life truly could look like if I had your God-given vision for me. And that's what I've been praying for the church. God, my eyes are closed. And if I could see the church that you're calling us to be here in Thornton, what would this church look like? What ministry areas would we be strong in? What would our budget look like? Which areas would we be resourcing? What would our leaders look like? What type of people do I believe that God is raising up? And now help me to see these things that are unseen and call people out to that vision. And I want you to do that at the end of this morning's message as well. We're going to have a time of prayer and I want you to have your eyes closed and say, God, give me some vision for my family, for my relationship with you for what could be. Um, And the last couple of years, I usually um, bring just a word, you know, like uh, people do in New Year, don't they? The word for the year is going to be, and people like to do that, because I think it's just so clear. Um, And the last couple of years we've done that, I had a word for the year a few years back. I actually asked you guys to give me the word for the year, um, and about 20 people gave me different words, and we put them into one of these cool word clouds that then basically sums it up, and the word was enlarge, enlarge. And that was super exciting, because we did have a year of enlargement. And then last year, um, the word for the year that I brought was focus. And I brought a message on Vision Sunday that it's not a lack of opportunity that stops you reaching your potential, but a lack of focus. In other words, in your life, you have so many opportunities, different jobs that you could get, things you could do with your family, um, all these different careers you could, you could pursue or friendships. But it's the lack of focusing on the key areas that stops us reaching our potential. And then encouraged us as a church that it's exactly the same. We could be doing a million different ministries, but if we're not focusing on what God is calling us to do, we're never going to reach our full potential. So this year, as I was praying over summer for the vision for the church, I really didn't want to bring one word. Um, I thought I'd I'd done the one word kind of thing. and I was like, God, I'm I'm happy for a Bible verse. I'm happy for a sentence even (laughs) to bring to church. We can remember a sentence. But actually, um, I I got one word. um, And uh, the word that I had from God, I kept having it over and over again, was that he wanted me to keep it simple. I'm like, okay, um, you know, keep what simple and the word was no keep it simple so the word for the year is simple the vision for our church this year is simple it's easy right the pastor's simple so let's make the vision simple you're not going to forget it now are you when I say what's the word for the year about Johnny oh yeah he's simple he's simple keep it simple and I believe that through the scriptures and I'm going to read some scriptures over us later 
Scripture after scripture after scripture where God calls his people to simple living, simply listening to him and doing what they're told. When we hear about the heroes of the faith, especially even recently like John Wesley who revolutionized the world, he's renowned for having simple, simple in his finances, simple in the way he set up churches, simple buildings to do church in. Methodist churches were very simple compared to some of the Anglican and and Catholic churches. He just simply wanted to get the message out there and he wanted to get rid of any sin or that would easily instangle or anything that would hinder the message. So let's have simple living. So that's the word for the year, simple. I believe that God wants you to live a simple life I'm going to speak on that in just a second. But I believe that God wants us to have a simple church structure with simple ministries that we can all be excited and all get behind. And by keeping it simple, it means we can all stay on task for this year. So to just to quickly recap the last three Sundays, we've been on this sermon series called Building His Kingdom. And I kicked it off by saying that we are created in the image of a creative God. And therefore, we're called to build things. We all naturally do it. We build our lives. We build our families. We build our finances. We build our own kingdoms. But now we're called to build His Kingdom. He's already moving in our communities. We open our eyes to the things unseen. We then partner with him to build the things seen. And that's exactly what Stephen went on. He was talking about the kingdom is seen. In other words, I can look around today and I can see the kingdom in God right here in front of me. It's not a figurative thing. This is the kingdom of God. You are the kingdom of God. We get to be the kingdom of God. And Stephen walked through how um, we had the Garden of Eden and then we had... um, altars and tabernacles and temples and ultimately Jesus, the incarnate God, came and now calls us to be the temple of the Most High that he wants to dwell within us. We are the seen kingdom, which means that us as a church, light and life, have to be seen in this community. We have to be getting out there and serving people and loving them because we can't just be an unseen kingdom because we won't be able to advance. We have to be Seen. And then Pastor Chris built on this about the kingdom is unseen. You know, this idea that man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. It's way more important about what's going in here than what we look like. And how Jesus spoke, didn't he, to some of the religious people. And he called them uh, whitewashed tombs. That's a funny thing, right? In other words, it doesn't matter how pretty a grave looks, it's still full of dead people. Yeah? It doesn't matter how good you look if you've not got the living God inside you. We're not called to be whitewashed tombs. We're called to be living sacrifices. People that care about the unseen works in our heart, that we want holiness. We crave it. We want to sin less today than we did yesterday. And we want to sin less tomorrow than we did today because we're pursuing goodness and holiness. And... um, The word simple is how we are going to do this. How are we going to have this unseen kingdom be built in our lives? And how are we going to build the seen kingdom? Well, it's simply by listening and doing. I didn't say it was easy. I said it was simple. Sometimes we overcomplicate things because we want the easy route. We think we can make things cleverer and then we don't have to work as hard. Simple is rarely easy. Often because it's simple, you have to work harder because there's no reason to mess it up. It was so simple. How did you make a mistake? So we have to have that attention to detail. We simply have to listen to God's word 
and we simply have to do as we're told. It's not easy. In fact, it's going to cost you your life. But it is so worth it. We came into the world with nothing and we'll leave with nothing. But the relationship we can have with Jesus makes it all worth it. And the relationship we can have with the great cloud of witnesses makes it all worth it. There's an amazing Bible verse that says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And if you're a Christian this morning, that means we're saying that we love God. Well, how do we show him that we love him? Because if you love your wife, you show her, you demonstrate to her. How do we show God that we love him? It can be through giving of our finances. It can be giving through of our prayer time. It can be the way we train up our children. It can be the way that we come to church and give sacrificially to others and serve the communities around us. But that all comes down to this. We follow his commands. That's how you show God, I love you. And I love you more today than I did yesterday. And I'll love you more tomorrow than I did today. I want to be on this journey from glory to glory to glory. There's always more with God. That's called a journey towards holiness, which is called by keeping his commands. And that's how I show that I love him. So individually, how can we have a simple year? How can we keep our life simple this year? Well, there's an amazing Bible verse that says in 1 Thessalonians, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as you were told to. It's not easy, (laughs) minding your own business, but it's simple, isn't it? God's called you to run your race with perseverance and he's called other people to run theirs. And sometimes we get so much drama in our lives because we're getting up in other people's business. Why aren't they running their race? I know what God called them to do, but they don't seem to be doing it. Or this person's far from God. I might come and and, and pretend to help them for a minute, but it's really because I wanted to see what life was like in their lane. Um, You see, drama is a really funny thing. When I talk about drama, it's not that bad things won't happen in your life. Believe me, they will. We had an incredible speaker at Revive Camp, a pastor called Esther Scholes, and she shared personal testimony about how she lost her husband and how she lost one of her children and how she's been a single mum of four kids for well over a decade. But Esther's one of the least dramatic people you'll ever meet. She understands that crying in front of everybody about everything in a dramatic way doesn't help anybody, especially not her children or herself. Now, that doesn't mean she doesn't cry a lot in quiet to the one who loves her so much and will be storing up those tears. But what it means is she's running the race that God has given her to run, to raise these children in a way that they love Jesus, to use her testimony to bless the great cloud of witnesses, to be given an example of what it means to live well, to love well, to be drama-free, Some people that I talk to, it sounds like their life is so dramatic, but actually there's not much really going wrong. They just crave the drama. They like to make their life sound maybe more interesting than what it is or grab those headlines on on Facebook. They want the you okay, hon? Comments coming in, I don't know what it is. But they love that bit of drama. And I want to encourage you that this year may well be the hardest year that you ever face. I'm not saying it's not going to be. But it can be a year that's drama-free if you bring everything to the foot of the cross, everything to Jesus. So I want to live a simple life. God, you're in charge of my relationships. You're in charge of my resources. You're in charge of what I do in my calendar. 
And I guarantee the more you hand over the things to God, the less drama, not the less real things, but the less drama you'll have in your life. I'd love for you to be able to say in years to come when people like, you always seem so calm, even when the tough stuff happens, you can say, yeah, I've been drama-free since 2023. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Drama-free since 2023. No drama in my finances, because God's in charge. No drama in my relationships, because even when things are tough, God's in charge. No drama in my walk with Jesus, because I keep going. I persevere. The author and perfecter of my faith, I fix my eyes on him every day. I read his word and I pray. Now, I've got some practical ideas on how we can live simply. Um, and there was a sermon series we did back in 2019. You can look it up on YouTube called Simple Living. We did a whole couple of weeks on how we can live simply. Um, so if you want to look at that, you can do that look back on YouTube the series was called Simple Living but I also want us to be simple as a church that's you individually but as a church I want us to be drama free since 2023 I want us to be on a mission that we know that we've got a purpose and that purpose trumps anything else that we want that we don't want gossip within church that we don't want um, people um, that like to stir up or, or get between. In fact, we want the opposite because we know in Psalms it says that unity commands a blessing. And when you are truly a family, it doesn't matter what's going on and what's going hard, you pitch in, right? And that shouldn't just be your family at home, but your family in church, that we love one another, that we live simply together, that we support each other, that we're praying for each other, that we're going for it. And I want us to keep focused. That was our word from last year, to keep focused. Um, so I want us to simply be focusing on three ministry areas, which we're already doing incredibly well at, but I believe that God is calling us to even more. Um, next Sunday morning is Giving Sunday, and we're going to be seeing if we could, just in one day, raise a bit of finance to go towards these three ministry areas, purchasing something significant for each of them. And if you want a heads up to find out what those things are, you can come to Team Church tonight. You can find out and be one of the early people to know what's going on and pray into that with us tonight that we'll be able to tell you what it is we're wanting to purchase some significant investments. It's exciting. But these three areas are our kids, our worship, and our midweek groups. Now we know in churches there's loads of ministries we can do and all of those are still important. We still give uh, to missions internationally and we still have incredible prayer ministries. We take preaching the word seriously. All these things are still important too but the focus area is going to be kids, worship and midweek. And I want to remind us why. Um, the kids, um, this is where we started as a church um, we didn't start on a Sunday morning. We started on a Monday and a Tuesday night doing a kids' ministry in the Young People's Centre. And um, this is where our heart for Thornton grew from, seeing these little ones come uh, after school um, to learn some Jesus songs and some Jesus Bible verses and have a bit of food and a bit of fun. And it led us to uh, summer holiday clubs. And we made some great connections. And that's where our heart for light and life here in Thornton really began. And we want to keep going there. Why? Well, it's explicit. Jesus said, let the children come to me. I don't believe that's a metaphor. <laughs> I believe he literally wants children to run into his loving arms. And for me, I'm an accountant at heart, so I'm an absolute statistics nerd. And the statistics are clear. 80% of Christians gave their life to Jesus before the age of 14. Well, we can't ignore those statistics. If we want to build his kingdom, both unseen and seen, we have to be investing in our young ones. We have to be letting them know that they are loved. We have to be letting them know what their purpose is before the world speaks lies into them and they pick up 
baggage and have to deal with that later on. So kids, um, worship, I don't know if you've noticed, but our worship team is not normal. They are exceptionally good. And I don't know if you've noticed as well, but we have some individuals in our worship team which God has resourced them and gifted them in ways that we rarely get to see. Now, we would be wrong not to see that. And when I'm saying God opened my things to the things unseen, well, sometimes we can just use our eyes and see the things seen, the things that are clearly in front of us. And worship is so important because it's the part of uh, our week, especially corporately, where something of our spirit aligns with the Holy Spirit. I don't know, it's not really normal to walk around with your hands in the air. I'm not, you know, in Aldi on a Wednesday afternoon just walking around like this. Maybe someone, I if you're worshipping. But it's like not a normal thing to do. But when I worship, it's like, why am I doing this? And it's because God is calling us up to something bigger and something greater. Um, there's something released. The amount of times I see um, in prayer ministry time, it's when there's strong worship going on because what is worship? It's giving God his worth, bringing glory to Jesus, putting him at the top, bending the knee. That's what we're doing in worship. That he speaks to us, isn't it? That we have words for other people. That you might see some people speaking out in tongues. You might see some people crying. Worship is so important. And when our worship team is so good, we need to be getting behind them more, um, investing in them, seeing the team grow, seeing that ministry grow. And then our midweek ministry as well, um, because this is where real discipleship and real fellowship happens. There's only so much we can do on a Sunday morning, but it's in the midweek groups where people far from God can learn a little bit more about him. We use Alpha for that. Or people that have made decisions for Jesus can now meet other believers and be encouraged in life groups. Is where prayer meetings can happen and we can do good business interceding for our community or for individuals and bringing them before God. It's where blessed ladies and empowered women can get together. It's where um, the guys' men's ministry can encourage one another and have some fun together. The midweek groups is where it's happening if you want to be coming on leaps and bounds in your journey of faith. Um, and last year I called us, I said that I wanted us to have more than 100% attendance in our midweek groups. And what did I mean by that? Well, I mean like on a Sunday morning, the last couple of weeks we've been about 93, 96, that kind of number. I would love at the end of the month when we're, we're looking through you know, what's gone on, that more than 100 people were engaged, um, either in life groups or alpha or prayer ministry or empowered women, blessed ladies. It'd be great to see those numbers. You'd be like, this is how we're reaching our community through the food bank, through the work with the working girls in Blackpool, through empowered women, through blessed ladies. This is, you know, people coming to life groups before they've even come to church. People coming to Alpha before they even believe in Jesus. This is going to be how we get out into our communities. And I simply want us to carry on doing more of the same. Kids, worship and midweek groups is going to be our simple focus for the year. But we can only... Um, do this if we're all in together. Every time I read through my Bible that someone has a vision, it's the people that actually do the work. That it might be the, the visionary that gets their name written down, but it's the people that did the hard work. Moses had to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, but the Israelites, the one that had to pack up camp every morning and pitch the tents every night, the Israelites had to do the heavy lifting. It wasn't even Moses that set foot in the sea first. Remember that story that the priest keeps walking and walking and it wasn't until the water was up to his, past his nose before the sea started splitting. 
Now that guy must have had faith in his leader Moses that he must have heard from God and he was running his race with perseverance because could you imagine as you're stepping out you're thinking Moses nothing's happening how far am I going to keep and you just start walking a bit slower and a bit slower and the water's coming up imagine he gets to here and then God's like okay this guy's got faith (laughs) this guy's really listened this guy knows that it's going to happen maybe that's some of you guys Maybe you guys are going to be the ones that lead some of this vision more than me and the leadership team ever do. That we might be the ones that have heard from God, but you're going to be the ones on the streets discipling and, and praying for people. That you're going to be the ones going out to see the working girls. You're going to be the ones giving out the food packages. You're going to be the ones that are running Sunday school. You're going to be the ones that stay late on a rehearsal on a Thursday night. This is just the vision, but it's the people that make the vision a reality. What about King David? Uh, He was anointed to come and be the king. Um, But he had his mighty men that actually did the fighting for him. I think he was a pretty good fighter himself. But he had his 500 to begin with. And then even when he was king, he kept going into wars, sending people into battles to defend the land that God had given them. What about King Solomon? He had some plans to build the temple, but it was the people that gave their gold and their silver and their time and their energy to build it. What even about Jesus? He came and he called his disciples, but they had to drop their nets. They could have easily carried on fishing if they wanted to. But they realized that God was calling them out to something more. And I wonder what God is calling you out to this morning. So I can stand at the front and say that we need to be working on the things unseen. But you guys are the ones that have to be working on the things unseen. You guys are the ones that have to be throwing away the sin that easily strangles, doing the work to make sure that when God looks at our hearts, that he's pleased with us. And that's exactly what I want to leave some space for now. So as the worship team come back up, I've asked them to bring a piece this morning to sing over us, which I believe is powerful when a worship team sings over us and we can just receive, listen to the lyrics, but more importantly, be listening to the still small voice of God because I genuinely believe that right here, right now, this morning, he wants to be speaking to you, giving you vision and direction for your race, showing you what lane you're called to run in. And I want us to start by doing this, by asking for forgiveness of our sins. Like it said in Hebrews 12, that we have to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles. And then as it says in Hebrews 12, I want us to fix our eyes on the throne room of God. Jesus sitting in his right hand, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's what it says in Hebrews. The one that's got plans for you, the one that made you on purpose and for a purpose. And this morning we want to ask him what that purpose is. Maybe you already know what that purpose is because he's told you many times. And this morning you want to thank him for that. Thank him for the race that he's put in front of you. And now we want to ask for some perseverance that we can keep going, that we can run to win as Paul calls us to. But I also want us to all be listening, listening in case he's calling us to do something new, something fresh. And then I want us to be asking for the strength to do it. I believe that some of us here this morning um, are being called to holiness. It's a weird word. But I believe that there's at least one or two of us that are being called to live a holy life, um, to be a real example of someone that throws off sin, that, that is actively pursuing the will of God 
every day that you have this deep sense of conviction in your heart that I want to show God that I love him and I do that by keeping his commands and I want to keep his commands more today than I did yesterday I want to keep his commands more tomorrow than I did today because that's the race that God is calling you to I believe that God wants to convict some of us this morning of some deep sins that we kind of keep whitewashing over that we keep thinking, oh, well, no one else knows. I keep coming to church and God's still doing good things because of course he is going to because he's a good God. But the release that you can have if you give that over to him this morning that we don't have this sin that's grabbing onto us, trying to drag us down, that's so easily entangles, but you have to be the one that's willing to bow the knee before him and say, I'm so sorry and open up and confess. And then, like I said, I do believe there's some of us that already know the race that God has called us to. And I want this morning to be a time where God can really pour his Holy Spirit on you, remind you of that, and give you that perseverance that you need. Because we know that life is way too difficult to do on our own. We can only do it through him that strengthens us. So I'm going to start off, maybe the band could just play a tiny bit louder and I'm going to read scripture over us because what the Bible says is true and I've got maybe 10 scriptures here and I think some of them are going to be for you. So maybe grab onto one of these scriptures in your heart. Maybe you can have your eyes closed, be in a posture of prayer. Maybe picturing in your mind's eye the things unseen billions of other believers that are worshipping Jesus this morning the great cloud of witnesses that are in the heavenly realms Jesus who died on the cross for you now sits in glory interceding with the Father on your behalf and as you do business I'm going to read some of these verses therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 1 Thessalonians it says make it your ambition to lead a quiet life you should mind your own business and work with your hands just as you were told in 1 Timothy 6 it says but godliness and contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we'll take nothing out of it in Ecclesiastes 4 it says and I saw that all the toil and all achievement springs from one person's envy of another and this is meaningless in Luke 12 it says watch out be on your guard against all kinds of greed life does not consist of an abundance of possessions in Psalm 46 it says be still and know that I am God I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Ecclesiastes 4 says, Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls 
toil. In Matthew 6, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. In Philippians 4, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And finally, in Colossians 3, it says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Light and Life podcast. Don't forget, you can find all of our past episodes right here, wherever you're listening now. Once again, make sure you're following us so you're the first to know when we release new episodes. Have a great week and we hope to see you back here next time.